And, uh, you know, maybe you've heard messages about favor before. I've heard people say, you know, I'm God's favorite child. You know, I'm, uh, you know, God's favor is on my life. And all those are really, all those are really nice things to say. But if we don't understand how favor works in our lives and how that we need to apply that favor, uh, it, uh, it can, we can definitely miss out on the favor of God in our lives. And, and uh, you know, that uh, there's, there are just principles in the scripture that we can apply to ourselves. So in, in the book of Psalm, chapter 5, we read about, uh, in verse 12, the last verse there, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous will bless the righteous. And so if you write in your Bible or you're taking notes, write the words, bless the righteous. And then with favor, you will surround him as with a shield. Surround him or her as with a shield. So there are two, and you want to underline that, will surround him as with a shield. Um, There are two things here that we're reading about, a blessing and favor, a blessing and favor. Everybody say that with me, a blessing and favor. So we could say it like this as well, a blessing that leads to favor, a blessing that brings favor on our lives. So, let's, so to really understand favor, we have to understand what the word blessing means. And the word blessing in the Hebrew language is, is a word that means to speak well of, to say something, I mean... You know, we tend to think more of the we tend to think more of the tangible side of blessing, you know, the results of blessing, which actually come through favor. But what blessing is 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 a saying something. So when I when I bless you, I'm saying I'm not just saying bless you. I'm saying, you know, like we do when somebody sneezes, we go, God bless you, or Gesundheit, or you know, whatever is your favorite thing to say. But you know, what we're saying over them is we are saying something good over them. We're saying a we're profi- we're prophesying over their life. We're making a declaration over them, and and you know don't get weirded out about the word prophesy over someone, okay? Because I know that sometimes we as Christians we can get you know like well I'm not prophesy I'm not I don't do that. Yes, you prophesy every single day of your life. You do. You prophesy your day. You prophesy over your life, and especially when you are saying what God has said. God's word, it says in the book of Peter, is a more sure word of prophecy for you and I. So anytime we're saying God's word, we are prophesying. You know, let me, let me, let me, let me give you an example of this. Is there a difference between thus says the Lord and God said? Huh? Is there a difference? See, if we look at, one sounds a little bit more supernatural, doesn't it? But see, that's just because of our upbringing and the way we've been trained. That thus saith the Lord, when somebody stands up in church and goes, thus saith the Lord, you know, I love you, or thus saith the Lord, my spirit is here, or thus saith the Lord, my son came for you so that you could be born again, that it has a much more spiritual connotation, but that has more to us, but that has more of an emphasis on us because of those of us that were raised in the King James Version of the Bible. And, and look, ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. But, there's, but, but when we look at the words, God said, we are still saying what God said. Now, 
God said, and it doesn't matter whether you're saying the Holy Spirit said, Jesus told me, the Father spoke to me, all of that is God said. Wish I could get a good amen. But what we do as Christians because of our upbringing, because of our training, and I have the same training, that we, we tend to overemphasize certain things. You are making declarations over your life. The greatest thing that you can learn to do in your life is to say what God says about you. The word confession in the New Testament, it's an interesting word. The word confession in the New Testament is the word homologia. And what it means is, is it's two words in the Greek, and it means to homo, same, say the same, Words. Same words is what it means, literally. Confession means same words. Now, we think about confession as more of telling the truth, right? That's what we think of. And you know what? It is telling the truth, but it's saying what it's saying the same thing God says, which is the truth. Amen. Which is the truth. See, if you and I, we can learn to say what God says then we will have the favor that God has declared for us. The blessing brings the favor. The blessing brings the favor. You say, well, I don't have a lot of favor on my life, and I don't understand why. Well, I'm going to tell you why you don't have a lot of favor on your life today. Okay? But I will tell you this also. You have the same amount of favor for yourself by God that every believer has. Because it says that He will bless the righteous, He'll bless the righteous, and we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. According to 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made Him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Is everybody with me right now? So what we have to recognize in our lives is, is that what God has spoken says one thing for us which has blessing to it, meaning God has declared something over us, and that what you and I have to do is reciprocate by taking that blessing into our lives and applying it to our lives, which will bring favor, which will bring favor. See, there's a tremendous potential of favor for your life, and that's for every believer here. And when I say there's a tremendous potential for favor in your life, uh, when, when I say that, I mean, I absolutely mean it. I mean that there is a favor that is available to every one of you here that actually that you'll be able to, that you'll, that you'll prosper, that you'll, uh, at work, you'll make your business better. At work, you'll make your boss's business better. You make your family better. Sharon and I, we declare God's favor on our farm. And because of that, we believe that it makes the farm better. Amen. It makes the animals better. It makes everything. We get, you know, we don't go around mealy-mouthing life. Amen. So, blessing, everybody say it with me, blessing leads to favor. Now, what we tend to do is we put it backwards and we say, well, I don't see God's favor in my life, so therefore God must not be blessing me. But what do we do with passages like Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 that said, blessed be the God and Savior of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every, with all, with all, with all, with all, all, all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Well, that's, that's in the heavens, Pastor. That's in the heavens. That's not here on earth. 
Well, Jesus said that we're supposed to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Not on heaven as it is in earth, but on earth as it is in heaven. Man, this is so good. I'm getting excited about it. I hope you are too. Because you have favor on your life. You have favor. This is such a key thing for us to grab hold of. I mean, we could look at some, we'll look at, if we have time here this morning, we'll look at a couple passages. Of this. I want to read this really incredible story to you. This is, uh, this is an amazing um, story. This is about a, a, a young man, um, and it's written about in the book uh, called The Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Excuse me. And uh, the premise of the book is simple. No successful person or self-made individual ever got to the top uh, by not taking advantage of everything that was available to them. No one has. Meaning that luck did not make people successful. Luck does not make favor come to our lives. And so Gladwell talks about in this book, this kid whose name is Chris Langan. Okay, Chris Langan. I know he's probably not a name, but Chris Langan was considered one of the smartest individuals to ever live on the planet. His IQ was 200. Now, Einstein, just by comparison, was 150. This guy's was 200. So he was extremely, extremely smart. The average person, average individual has an IQ of about 100, okay? So he had this natural intelligence, and uh, Langan uh, should have been at the top of his profession in everything that he chose to do. and in, early on in his life, it appeared that way. He was talking at six months of age. Six months of age, talking, okay? So he could talk at six months of age. Um, when he was three, he would listen to the radio on Sundays as the announcer read the comics aloud, and he would follow along on his own until he taught himself how to read. We're talking about a three-year-old right now, Okay. In school, Langan could walk into a test in a foreign language class, not having studied at all, and if there were two or three minutes before the instructor arrived, he would skim through the textbook and ace the test. In his early teenage years, while working as a farmhand, he started to read widely in the area of theoretical physics. At 16, he made his way through Bertrand Russell and Alfred North Whitehead's famously obtruse masterpiece, Principia Mathematica. He got a perfect score on his, AC, on his SAT. What would that be? What's a perfect? 16? 100, is it? Yeah. Perfect score. And he, he, listen, he got a perfect score and he fell asleep halfway through the test. <laughs> he was so bored with it. He did math for an hour, his brother Mark says of Langan's summer routine in high school, and then he would do French for an hour, and then he studied Russian, and then he would read philosophy. He did that religiously every day. Another of his brothers, Jeff, says, you know, when Christopher was 14 or 15, he would draw things just as a joke, and it would look like a photograph. When he was 15, he could match Jimi Hendrix lick for lick on a guitar. Half the time, Christopher didn't attend school at all. He would just show up for the test, and there was nothing they could do about it. To us, it was hilarious. He could brief a semester's worth of textbooks in two days and take care of whatever he had to take care of and then get back to whatever he was doing in the first place. Sadly, Langan 
has yet to reach his potential. He only had a year and a half of college. He was kicked out of two universities. As a young man, he worked on a clam boat, took factory jobs, was employed in a minor civil service position. He spent most of his adult life working as a bouncer in a bar in Long Island. In that time, he wrote a massive book combining philosophy, mathematics, and physics on the subject, Cognitive Theoretic Model of the Universe. Unfortunately, no scholarly journal would look at it because Langan had no academic background. And he's not personally very motivated to market the book to publishers. Gladwell devotes some detail to Langan's lack of achievement, but it really comes down to this, and this is an important point. He didn't know how to use the gift he was blessed with. He didn't know how to use the gift he was blessed with. Therefore, his potential has become untapped. So just because you're not feeling the favor of God on your life doesn't mean it's not there. You're just not sure how to tap into it. I'm going to tell you how to tap into it today. And it's in this verse, because in this verse it says that the blessing of God, in Psalm 5.12, it says that, for Lord, you bless the righteous with favor you will surround him as with a shield. They're in that order for a purpose because what God does is he says something over us. And then as he says that over us, as we receive what he has said and declare it over our lives, favor comes. Favor comes. Favor comes. Think of all the things that you say over yourself that you really don't want to come. Things you really don't want to come. You know, things that people will say like, well, I'm the black sheep of the family. Huh? Well, I come from the other side of the tracks, right? Our family's always been poor. Cancer runs in my family. Diabetes is hereditary in my family. And I'm just using a few here. Things that we say that my grandpa was an alcoholic, my dad was an alcoholic, I'm going to be an alcoholic. I remember as a young kid, my dad trying to, he was telling me that all the Jolliffe men die from heart attacks. All of them. He even said to me, uh, he said, son, I'll probably die from a heart attack and so will you. And I didn't know any better. I just thought, well, it's my dad. He's telling me what's going to happen. He said, the only one that never died from a heart attack was your grandfather. He died of cancer. Now, listen, you say, well, so what does any of that matter? Well, it really doesn't matter unless you believe it and then you start declaring it over your life, right? I want you to think of all the stuff that you believe. All the stuff that you say over yourself. You know, God said in his word, I lay before you life and death, and here he goes, blessing and cursing. And he said, choose life. So what was he really saying? Choose blessing. Choose blessing. Now, I'll just use a couple of examples here. I'm not going to preach a real long time, but I'll just use a couple of examples. You could have something in your life and when things don't start going the right way, instead of blessing it, you begin to curse it. Yep. See, if blessing is to say something good over, then what is cursing? To not say something good over, right? 
You know, I know we think about, you know, an old witch putting a hex or a curse on somebody, but really cursing is when somebody says something over, when they're speaking negative or they're speaking over something that should be, that, that, you know, that they want it to be destroyed. Death. They want it to die. They want it to be gone uh, out of their life, or they want that person to suffer and, and that death is part of it. So here's what, here's what God teaches us from His Word. Blessing is what He has spoken over us. If we choose to say the blessing or to respond to the blessing that He has declared from His Word over us, then we will automatically experience the favor that goes with that blessing. The favor that goes with that blessing. So you go out and you get this car. You wanted that car, man. You just you loved that car. It was the right color. It had all the right gadgets and doodads on it. It was the, the right engine. It was all that you wanted. Maybe you saw it in a magazine. Maybe you didn't care about all the other stuff. You just cared about what color it was. Or did it have a good rating? And you get that vehicle. But see, what can happen is, is just like in anything in life, that that thing that you spoke as a blessing that you were so excited you couldn't wait to show off, you drove down the road you know, thinking, man, this is really cool, this is really awesome, it has flaws. How long does it take for flaws to show up in a vehicle? Brand new. I drove them right off the lot with no miles on them. I mean, brand new. I mean, brand, I mean you know, like, I'm talking like zero, six. That was six miles, you know, from test drives. I drove them off the lot. How long does it take for the flaws to show up on a vehicle? Uh, it didn't take very long at all. In fact, you know, and I'm not preaching on finances, but you know, they're kind of, they don't want you to know this, but as soon as you drove it off the lot, it depreciated in half. Yeah. The whole, I don't care what you paid for it. It's in half. It's, it's worth now half you just lost half of your investment the day. You, you better make sure you keep that thing for a while because you just lost half of it, okay? That's why it's always just better to buy something three or four years old. Amen. Because then somebody else has dealt with all the flaws. Right? How, how long does it take when you buy a vehicle to have a recall? I mean, I still get... I've had vehicles... I, have vehicle, I don't even have those vehicles anymore, and I still get letters in the mail that it's recalled. You've you got to bring this in. Yeah, we've got to take that out. That was, I'm just, okay, now here's the thing. Something that was so beautiful and so wonderful and so exciting, and I was driving it down the road and thought, this is the greatest thing I've ever had in my life. This is so cool. All of a sudden, this blessing, I can begin to curse it. I can begin to curse it. I've had, I've had to rebuke people before because they'll say things like, well, you bought that vehicle, it's a lemon. I said, don't you say that over my vehicle. One is, is that I don't want you saying that to me because I don't want to hear that because I don't want to think of it like it's a lemon. Because if I start thinking like it's a lemon, then I'm going to start cursing the vehicle. Now, Sharon and I, we had, a, this is a true story. We had a car, and there were lots of things wrong with it. It was a little Mustang too, orange and white. Um, and uh, and that, car, that car was amazing. It had a stick shift in it. We drove it all back and forth across the country. 
And one day, God told us to give that car away, to give it away. That car was a miracle car. I I drove all the way from Oklahoma to Marietta, Ohio. The car was sputtering for a little while, and we laid hands on it and commanded it to work in the name of Jesus the way that it was made to work. And when we got to Marietta, Ohio, it ran great. We got awesome gas mileage. We took it into the gas station for them to do a tune-up on it because we drove it so much. Guy opens up, and you have to go back a few years with vehicles, but he opens up the distributor cap, looks inside the distributor cap, and the rotor is completely busted off. He says, have you been driving this vehicle long? I said, yeah, we just drove it from Oklahoma. He says, well, how did you do it? I said, well, we laid hands on it, and we prayed over it, and we declared over it, that it would work, and we got home from Oklahoma. He says, well, listen, it is a physical impossibility because that, dis- that rotator has to hit every... That's the only way the plugs can fire off. And he says, there's no way for that to happen. He says, so, I don't know. It mu- I don't know what's... I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if you want to know what a wonder is, that's what a wonder looks like when people just stand there and go, I, I don't know. I, 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 I can't explain it. Now... That vehicle was amazing. I mean, we'd lay hands on it. We'd pray over it. It'd be down to, you know, I mean, we, 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 we would lay hands on it that the oil would last. That the, I mean, because we didn't have the finances at that time to do anything different than what we had. Okay? One day we, we had this little girl in our church that had got saved, and the Lord told us to give her that vehicle. That vehicle had been good to us, but we told her, Mike, we said, now listen, we're going to give this to you, and, um, but we want you to know that you're going to have to use your faith with it. She says, well, what does that mean? I said, well, we, we use our faith. That, our faith is what makes that thing work right because we believe God. We speak to the mountain. We declare, you know, you will run. You will start. You will get good gas mileage. She says, oh, okay. So we gave it to her, and it broke down in a week. I said, did you use your faith? She said, no. I says, well, we told you. She says, yeah, now I realize that. But it was broke down and that was it. So my point with that is, is that, look, the greatest battle you're going to have in your life is to turn what God has declared a blessing over you into a curse. You're going to battle to not say the wrong things. It, your marriage can be the same way. Your kids can be the same way. Your job can be the same way. You can talk yourself in and out of anything by the way you talk and the way you think. And so what happens is we develop these patterns in our lives uh, that where we can just get ourselves into a net, especially if we grew up in a negative home where people spoke negative stuff, we can slip right into that negativity. The next thing you know, you're cursing everything that God wants to bless in your life, and then you're wondering why God don't love you and you're not his favorite child anymore. Where'd the favor go? Favor comes into our lives because we speak what God says. What God says. Now, I'm going to give you an example, and then I'm going to show you an example. So in Malachi, because we talk about this in offerings a lot, and we're not doing another offering, so just go ahead and put your money back away. In Malachi, God speaks to to his people, and he says, look, uh, I, I want you to bring your tithes and offerings into my storehouse, that there will be meat in my house, right? That's the way he... And then he tells them, here's what I'm going to do, Okay? Here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to bless you. That's what he says. I'm going to bless you with such a blessing. Now, you know, a blessing is awesome, but a such a blessing is pretty amazing. He says, I'm going to bless you with such a blessing, you won't even have room enough to receive it. Okay? Such a blessing, you won't have room enough to receive it. Now, here's my question for you this morning. Do you have anything to do with that blessing? Absolutely you do. Because that blessing comes because you give tithes and because you're obedient to do what God said to do. You're aligning yourself. Everybody say aligning. Aligning yourself with what God says in His Word. You say, well, I'm not doing that. Well, that's fine. I'm not making anybody do anything. You can come to church here and not tithe. But what are you missing out on? What are you missing out on? Oh, you're missing out. I think you're missing out on a tremendous amount of favor over your finances. I, I think it, I, I just I, that's how I feel because, because the Bible says that I will bless you with such a blessing, there's not room enough to receive it. In fact, the one translation of that verse says that, listen, I'm going to bless you so much that you will surely shout, God, stop it, knock it off, that's too much. Wow. That's too much. See, what happens in our lives is, is that if, if we don't do what God, if we don't align ourselves with what God has said, we can't expect that the favor is going to come. Favor comes out of blessing. Blessing comes out of faith that I believe what God has said and I confess what God has said. Blessing comes from that. You say, no, no, pastor, because here's the thing, all right? All I need is for God to bless me, and then it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, it does, because if you are undermining what God is trying to do, like God tells us in His Word, don't let your good be spoken evil of. Don't let the blessing be turned to evil. Don't let that get turned around, and especially don't let yourself get turned around where you're making the wrong declarations over yourself, over your health. Well, you know, the national average of, you know, lifespan is 70 to 80. I don't know, you know, if I'm going to make it much further than that. Don't say that. Now, you could say, I'm saying that, don't say that. You can say whatever you want to say. But my Bible says also that with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. So I expect a long life. Now, maybe I'll think at 80, that's long enough. Who knows? I doubt it, but I, I got lots to live for, and I got more than enough work to keep me busy till then. How many of you would agree with that? We got lots to do, man. I got lots to do. No, no problem finding purpose here. But see, the thing is, is that what we can do is we begin to buy into all the lies. We begin to buy into all of the things. You know, I'm getting ready to do a Tough mutter in uh, June with Joe. Joe and I are going to do it. You know, Joe turned 70 this year and I turned 60. And uh, so this is the, I said, we're going to do a Tough mutter when we both get to that age. And and uh, this will be my fourth Tough Mudders. will be Joe's second. And uh, they're hard, man. You know, it's the number one question I get from people when I tell them I'm doing a Tough Mudder. Some of you may have even been thinking this. Well, why are you doing that? You're old. Come on. I mean, I'm serious. That's what people will say. Well, you're old. Look at you. You got gray hair and, you know, and, you know, you're not 18 anymore. And, you know, what would you tell me the average age is? It's 20, 29 years old is the average age. And uh, 
Well, listen, I don't think, then here's how I think about that, and I'm sure Joe does the same way. And I'm not bragging on us, but I'm just saying I want you to think about this. Big deal, a 29-year-old can do it. Big deal. When a 60 and a 70-year-old do it, now you're talking. When a kid's brought up in poverty all his life and all he's known is poverty and begging and getting barely along and he's prospering and has got money in the bank and is totally debt-free and owns his own home and has a car and has a family and, you know, and he can help send his kids to college. Now, I'm telling you, that's something. Everybody can live bound up and dead. Everybody can live broken down. Everybody can live all beat up by life. Can you say, hey, Amen. <laughs> Think of what people try to get you to say over your business. You know, you get started. I mean, it, it, look, I, it doesn't take any time at all when you want to do something for somebody negative to come along and tell you a bad story about how that ain't going to work. Right. Don't, no, no, don't do that. You don't want to do that. that. Oh, that's not good. Oh, no, no. That's a bad idea. That's a, uh, if you try to do that, you know, you could have... You know, you could have problems. Don't invest your money. Don't invest. No, no, don't invest. Don't invest. Don't, don't put it in the market. Look at what the market did this last. Don't, don't, don't invest. Okay, what do we do with it? Hide it under your mattress. Oh, yeah, that's a real safe place, right? Yeah. Jesus taught us that we're supposed to put our money to work. You know what? What's really cool? This is really because I invest. I, I believe in it. I mean, I absolutely believe in it. I'm not counting on Social Security to take care of me. <laughs> Here's the thing. While I'm in here having fun with you guys, guess what? My money's working. Tomorrow I'll get up in the morning and have my coffee and. My money's working. It's working over in the Japan market. It's working over in the, you know, China. It's working. It's out there doing, and I don't even think, I'll go to bed tonight not even thinking about it, and it's already out there working. Glory to God. So I'm not going to curse it. I'm not going to curse. Mark Chaffin, he's not here this morning. They're visiting a, uh, another ministry, but several years ago, Mark was going through, I mean, we were in a drought here in Michigan. It was really bad. And the Lord had told me to tell Mark this specific scripture that he needed to declare over his crops. And so uh, it was bad. I mean, it was really dry. I think it was like back in 2000, might have been like, it was a long while back, but it's maybe like 2009 or something like that. But anyways, it was a tough year. And I mean, you watched the crops drying up. And I said, Mark, don't. Speak blessing over your crops. Speak blessing over the field. Speak. Don't, don't allow. Don't allow people to talk you into saying the wrong things. Keep speaking the Word. Get in the Word. Look more to what God says than what the market report's saying. Look more to what God says than what the weatherman is saying. Can, you get an a, can I get an amen for that? I mean, look, look at all these things and begin to say those things. And, and Mark says, I am. And I kept, we kept talking about it. We kept talking about it. End of season came, harvest time came. Mark came in and told me that it was one of the best years they ever had. He said, well, that, that was just lucky. Well, you call it whatever you want to call it. But to me, when you put the blessing to work in your life, the favor comes. The favor comes. 
You say crazy stuff like no one likes me and then wonder why nobody likes you. You declared it yourself. Nobody cares about me. Nobody wants to bless me. Nobody wants to help me. Nobody wants to be a part of what I'm doing. Well, listen, what, you gotta, what we all have to come down and realize is, is that our problem is about an inch under our, our, our nose right here. The problem is right under our nose. It's an inch down. You get down, maybe an inch. I don't know how far that is, but half inch. Some of you is a little longer. You just got to go right under your nose because there's the problem. You're not speaking the blessing. So what did you say over your finances this last week? What did you say over your business this last week? And I, I, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to dig into your business. I'm just asking the question. What did you say about your health this week? What lies are you believing right now in your life about the giftedness that's in your life? I, I don't, listen, the last, my greatest concern, uh, I, truthfully, as a, as, a, as a human being, is to one day stand before God and Him to say, why didn't you use what I gave you? Why did you waste it? Why did you set it aside? And you know what? Look, when, I, when God asked that question, I'm, all my little petty excuses like, well, I was brought up in a, you know, I had this, and a, you know, in this problem, and, and, I, and I didn't, I, does God care? We keep a picture in our workout room that we work out in, and you know, because I, I get to complaining, look, I'm complaining way more on the inside than I am on the outside, and because uh, Joe don't put up with it. But, and he pretends like he never complains. So, but we got this picture of this guy, and we look at it just about every workout. And it's this little guy who's on a bench, and he has no arms and he has no legs. And he's on there, and he's always got these little stubs for shoulders, and he's got two 45 pound plates on each side with chains strapped around his arms. And he's standing there doing shoulder shrugs. No arms, no legs, no balance. And then we sit and gripe and complain because our back hurt. Or I had a headache. Well, that's good preaching, Pastor. Look, there's no reason. We, we, I just want to use this body up until it's gone. Amen. I want to use it up. I want, to, I want it to grow. I want my mind to be strong. Amen. I'm not going to, you know, look, stop saying those goofy old timer jokes about yourself. That's nuts, man. Don't, don't say that. Why make a declaration? Is that what you really want to come? You go like, well, I just can't remember stuff anymore. Well, I'm not like I used to be when I was young. Well, so what? What are you blessing yourself? You bless yourself with what God has said. And that's when favor comes. So, you know, when I go into places, I just say in my life, God, you've blessed me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation. I'm, I'm on this earth as a righteous man. God, I thank you for your blessing. And I thank you, God, because of what you have said over Richard Jolliffe, whatever room I walk into, I have divine favor. You say, well, what if you don't? Well, I know that I will. So go with me, the Old Testament, real quick. We're almost done. I want you to look in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. You know the story real well, I'm sure, about Joseph and just the mess that he ended up in. I mean, this, this guy has a dream, 
and he even he begins to declare his dream, and everybody get everybody gets mad at him. His brothers decide they're going to get rid, kill him. Then they decide they're just going to sell him, and uh, so he basically ends up being sold into slavery into Egypt to a guy uh, there. And uh, I want you to notice here um, in uh, chapter uh, forty-one, no forty thirty-nine. I'm sorry, thirty-nine. Okay. So here we are, this, we'll go through these quickly. Now Joseph had been, verse 1, taken to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. To prosper in his hand. That's favor. That's favor. You know, if he had gone down there and been in, like, you know, lived in bitterness over his brothers and just been so mad, mad about what had happened in his life and everything that he had lost, but that's not what he did. He went to work. And while he worked, he worked well, was successful at what he did. He reached his potential. And because of that, God was with him. Because look, when you use what you have, God will use what you have. When you put to work what you have, God will go to work with you in that. And he had favor. Look at this. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. And so Joseph found favor in his sight. You say, well, you know, I'd like it where I work at if they looked at me like that. Well, start speaking blessing over yourself. Start saying what God says about you and work hard. Stop trying to get every sick day you can. I don't know why I'm so punchy today, but I didn't like it that it was snowing this morning, all right? That's my problem. No, no, I'm just kidding. No, look, you, you can't. I, ta I taught my kids this when they were young. I, I said, look, when you get a job, you show up early, you stay late, and stay away from the knuckleheads at the water cooler. Because all they're going to do is get you in trouble. Because all they do is talk about stuff about how sad they are and how much they're not paid and how they're being cheated, and how life has cheated them, and blah, 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 and yada, yada, yada. Get away from it. Because what you're saying is, I'm blessed. I'm blessed here. I'm prospering here. Everything I put my hand to is blessed. Everything I touch is prospered. My, in fact, it says in Psalm chapter 1 that he that delights himself in the law of the Lord, and in his book he meditates day and night, it says there that everything he sets his hand to will prosper. Everything I put my hand to prosper. So this job, whatever it is, if I'm sales, I'm prospering. People are attracted to me. They come to me because I am prospering in my life because I'm blessed, and so I have favor. If I'm a mechanic, I know how to do stuff other people don't know how to do. Things I'm not even schooled in where the Holy Spirit speaks to me and guides me and leads me. I, I, can, I could have Chuck testify today of the stuff that he has been able to do, and Greg could do, Chuck taught Greg how to do this, of the stuff he's been able to do that he had no clue what to do, and in the middle of the night, the Lord spoke to him in a dream and showed him exactly what to do how the equipment wasn't working right, and he was just so frustrated with it, and he just said, God, you're going to have to show me what to do. And about 3 a.m. in the morning, 4 a.m. in the morning, he has a dream, and he knows exactly what to do. Can't wait to get down here to do that. Greg's had the same thing happen. See, don't buy into the whole idea that you can't when you can. And don't let people talk you out of it. 
Don't let them talk you out of it. You're blessed. What are you saying right now over you, over your, where you work, over your life, over your health, over your age, over whatever's going, over your kids? What are you saying over them? What are you speaking over all of that? Because that's where favor will come. Because the very same things that you're speaking to where you say things as curses, you begin to degrade and downcast and build negative attitudes about it. Those very same things bring the exact opposite. The enemy's just waiting for opportunities to take away what God wants to do in our life and make us live below our potential. Look at Joseph. He had favor. Go over to verse, um, I want you to look at verse uh, 19. Joseph, he loses that job. See, God didn't say bad things wouldn't happen. He just said, wherever you're at, I'll give you favor. I'll bless you. He didn't say, you know, I mean, his up. He didn't say, Joseph, I'm going to make sure you never lose your job. Joseph loses his job. I mean, somebody lied. A woman told a bad story about Joseph. He lost his job and ended up in prison. So what's God going to do? Well, Joseph could sit in prison and go, you know what? Life sucks. This is terrible. I don't want to live this. I don't want to do this. I, people are mean. People are nasty. I don't trust anybody. I'm not going to help anybody. I'm never going to step out in faith again, man. I'll tell you, I, after what I've been through, but watch what Joseph does. So it was when the master heard the words which uh, the wife spoke to him, saying, your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison, but the Lord was with Joseph because he blessed him. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Look at the last part of it here. Whatever he did. Man, could you say this about you? Come on. Whatever he did, whatever Kathy does, whatever Ken does, whatever DJ does, whatever Johnny does, whatever Rick does, whatever Suzanne does, whatever Dare does, look what it says there. Whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Whatever they did. You know, and eventually, of course, that favor... On Joseph's life, where does he end up? He ends up before Pharaoh. Right time, right place, all of a sudden everything comes together and there he is standing before Pharaoh. And he has the opportunity of a lifetime. He becomes the number two in command. He goes from the prison to the palace all in one day. What looked like it would be an eternity in prison for something he never even did. And he ends up in the palace being number two in all, next to Pharaoh in all of Egypt. Favor. Well, Pastor, I don't know. I just, you know, it just seems like some people are just more lucky than other people are. Huh? It just seems like, you know, I, I want to believe you, but I really feel like this rabbit's foot's what would really do it for me. Oh, I see. Just dead animals help you get, right, favor. Well, it's this four-leaf clover, you know. Uh, it's this, whatever. It's this little charm I wear that says, good luck. It's a horseshoe. Listen, here's what brings favor, blessing. And God tells us, out of the same mouth should not proceed both blessing and cursing. Stop cursing what God wants to bless in your life. You are grateful for your children. 
you are grateful for your husband. You are grateful for your wife. You are grateful, hallelujah, for the job that you have. Amen. Is that the end of it all? No, but you're grateful and you bless it. And then what happens is favor comes to you and promotion comes. Favor comes on your kids. Favor comes on your life. Favor comes through everything that you set your hand to. And when favor comes, prosperity comes. Amen. I feel it in the room. You say, well, could you just lay hands on me, Pastor, and then I'll have favor? Nope. No, because you're going to go out and say the same stuff you've always said. What are you going to say? I'm blessed. I'm prosperous. I'm healthy. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of His might. The young lions do, do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord, according to Psalm 3410, they shall not lack for anything. Hallelujah. My God meets all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Everything that we have need of, God's going to take care of. But we've got to keep speaking the blessing. Your part is to say what God says. And favor comes. Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me if you would. Did you get anything out of this today? Yeah. Glory. I mean, could you imagine, I'm, those of you that are employed in different places, your boss coming to you and saying, look, I don't know what i got to pay you to keep you here, but i got to keep you here because I see God's hand on your life, and I know our company's blessed because you're here. Amen. Well, thanks for those three amens. Wow. Amen. Better than him saying, I wish I could think of a way to get rid of you. Would you take early unemployment so that, you know, we can get you out of here? No, man, I, 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 would, I would say that that is the favor of God on your life. We, we, we got to have you here. There's just something, you know, when people look at you and they go, you know, there's just something, something about you. There's just something, something, I can't, but there's something about you. I'll tell you what it is. It's about you. It's what you attract. It's what you attract. And when you speak blessing, you attract favor. Oh, my goodness. Favor comes. Favor comes. People just want to do incredible things to bless you in return because they see that favor on your life. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Everybody in the house, just heads bowed, eyes closed just for a moment. Look, the beginning of all of this is to receive the greatest, most awesome blessing that God has given to us, and that is through the sacrifice of His own Son. You know, the, the Scriptures tell us that God loves us so much that He sent His only Son that whoever would believe, and you're a whosoever, just like I'm a whosoever, whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God's divine destiny for your life, God's divine plan for your life is that you would spend an eternity with Him. And I want you to know that today. I, I at least want you to hear that before you walk out these doors. He wants to bless your life, not curse you. God doesn't want you to go to hell. Somebody said, well, how could a good God not, why would a good God, if He loved us so much, send anybody to hell? Well, here's the great news about that. God loves us so much, His only Son came, so we wouldn't have to go if we would believe on Him. So I'm just asking all over the building, please, just for a moment, with your heads bowed, if you'd say, Pastor, my life is not right with God today, but I want to make it right with the Lord today. We're going to pray in just a few moments all together. 
Because it's really just about you praying in sincerity from your heart and asking God to... I prayed this prayer many, many years ago, several times actually, and, uh, but, but I just encourage you today that you would pray this prayer with us. But if your life is not right with God, no matter how old you are, if you're very, very old or you're very, very young, it doesn't really matter. I want you today, if you say my life is not right with God, I don't know where I stand with God today, but I want to make things right. I'm going to ask you if you would just look at me, make eye contact with me all over the building. Because we're going to pray in just a moment. We're going to make those things right with God. Amen. Thank you. Is there anyone else here today? Join this one that says, that's me. Because we can do this today together, and God can do something extremely powerful in your life. If you just look up at me, if that's you, you say, that's me, Pastor Jolliffe. I want to make things right with God today. I want to know where I stand with the Lord today. Is there anyone else here this morning? We want to give you that opportunity. We want to give you that opportunity. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Join these two today. You know, sometimes we just people are being dealt with, and we just got to give them time. We're in no hurry. It's not even noon yet. Is there anyone else here today that say, that's me? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Join these three today. Is there anyone else? Thank you, Father God. God's dealing with you. You know He's dealing with you. This is your day. This is the opportunity. It's time to step out of all that cursing and walk in the blessing that God has for you. Amen. All right, we're all going to pray together. So as we do this, you're praying this in faith. You sincerely prayed this prayer from your heart. I believe God will do exactly what we're praying for here today. I want everybody to join us in this prayer, if you would. Say this out loud, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, you lived a sinless life, and you died a horrible death. Every stripe, every nail, every thorn, every pain, all the suffering you did not deserve. But because you loved us, you took it for me. You took what I deserved. Today, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that in my life. I turn away from sin. I turn from it. You paid for it. I turn away from it. And I turn to you, Lord God. I turn to your grace and mercy. I turn to your peace that passes understanding. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are my Savior and you are my Lord here today. According to your word, amen. Amen. Could we give the Lord a good hand for these three today? Amen. That's so awesome. Praise the Lord. So this week, guess what? Maybe even before you get home today, you're going to have the opportunity to say the wrong things about your family, yourself, your finances, your health, your day, whatever. I challenge you this week to make this a week that you're declaring the blessings of God over your life. Say what God says about you. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day.